Thank you. Thank you. It is really a privilege to be standing here, and I don't take the time lightly that you are extending to me. So I just want to say that in the few months that Mark and I have been blessed to be in this house, it has been a joy and a privilege, and our lives are really, really blessed by the family here, and we feel that we have this like bond and connection that has taken place just in a few short months. Some of you we've known for a very, very long time, and others of you just shortly. But God sure has a way of catching things up real fast, and he's been so good to us. So I come to you today as what Jared said, as just a mom. I'm a mom in this house. Uh, I've been a mama for 43 years biologically, and uh, I believe God has a word for us today. As I prayed and asked God what he had for us today, He gave me a scripture that I feel like can be a little bit trite and has become a little bit of Christian-ease, Christian-ease lingo. Like, it's on coffee mugs, it's on magnets, we might even have a t-shirt. And it's out of Jeremiah 29, 11, and I think they're going to put this up here. But I feel like God wants us, to do, wants us to respond today in a way maybe we haven't before or to look at this scripture with fresh eyes and get this scripture from here to here in our gut, in our belly, that we know, that we know, that we know that this is the truth of who God is. It's not just on the coffee cup that we drink from. It's like somehow we have it on our coffee mug hoping that it's going to get in there (laughs) and magnets, you know. But this is a truth of who God is. And I really sensed as I prayed for you all this morning and for myself, I'm, I'm talking to myself here, that God has a word for us. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. These are his words to us. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Chris Seitz, where are you? Yeah, you were just in my study time the whole time. Like those scriptures, this is clearly what God is speaking to us because if you listen to what Chris shared, I was like, well, we could just all go home right now because that's exactly what God's message is for you today. And uh Do you have off the top of your head those references real quick? Can you just shout them out? So if people were distracted or not focused, just shout out the reference. Beautiful. I love how when God has plans and purposes for us, and he does every day, all the days, but he has plans and purposes for us this morning. Like this isn't just that we all come because mom wants us here. But he has a message for us. I want us to explore this purposeful and truthful message behind this verse. That even though it is like displayed in places that, you know, chalkboards in our houses and mugs and magnets, that this is a truth of who God is. God says, I know the plans for you to give you a future and a hope. But what happens when our dreams get wrecked? Or what happens when a train comes barreling through and circumstances hit us like a train wreck? Because it happens. 
Circumstances in life come. Jesus said, don't be shocked by troubles because he, he lived it out. We, we watch him as our model. And so what happens when that train wreck happens? How do we show up? Do we show up with clenched fists, pointing an accusational finger at everybody around us? Or do we show up with our hand open and saying, God, how are you going to write this into your story for your glory? Because we have a choice. We have a choice. We got to go through those circumstances either way. We don't get to choose our circumstances. Never. But we do get to choose how we walk through them. It's not like in March 2020, I had on my calendar get cancer. I didn't have it there. On my calendar, it wasn't, let's have a pandemic, everybody. Life comes at us. But Jesus wants us to know that he is the everlasting hope and the faithful one. The faithful one. No matter what train wreck comes at you, no matter what train, what kind of train comes at you, and it wrecks, he's who he says he is. And he wants to take this from here to here today. Like he wants you to mull on this and chew on it and get it in your belly. Because life comes. I've been walking with Jesus 55 years this summer. It's my anniversary of making a decision to follow Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And I'm going to tell you, in those 55 years, I've walked through some fire. And there are times when I haven't responded so well. Even to this day, I still. But I think I've learned some things in the 55 years that this is life. This is life. This is where it's at. And my choice to choose this or this makes a difference in the grand scheme of God's story and how our story is written into his. Our circumstances become so big in our eyes like the whole world is right here in my situation. Like, come on, everybody. Here I am. I got my situation. And this is the world. And we forget that God has this amazing story that he's been writing from eternity to eternity. We can't even put a number on it because it's never ending either direction. And he puts us like a tiny little speck of dust, like Horton hears a who, like the little dust guy, on a timeline. And we get to be a part of this glorious, glorious story. And we are written into his story. But we have to rethink our lives and rethink how we walk through this life. If you've been saved, you've been justified. And as you're walking with Jesus, you are being sanctified over and over every day, every choice you make. It's a choice. His story... And the way we respond to our circumstances, you guys, this is, this is important. Because if you want your name on a timeline, and I do, <laughs> I kind of like that. Okay, right here. We have to know that we affect generations to come by how we respond. Because we are glory bearers of the King of kings and Lord of lords. So how we respond 
affects generations to come. And if you don't believe it, just start in Genesis. And you read all the way through the timeline of God that is written, his holy word, written. And his word continues on because he has a people today. And he wants our names written into that story that brings glory to him. So we get to choose life or death. Blessings or cursings. This is kind of like a little game here. (laughs) Blessings or curses. And I'm going to tell you that a lot of times, because I don't want you to be deceived and think, yeah, I sailed through that really well. Because I'm going to share with you in a minute a circumstance in my life where I didn't shake my fist or clench my fist or shake an angry finger. But I had some unresolved things in my heart that I pushed down. And it created a wall between God and I. And it actually created a wall between my husband and I. Some things that I didn't let God resolve. And a place in my heart where I didn't say yes to him. God, all your promises to me are yes and amen. There's like this little deficit in my heart from that situation. Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20 gives us a clear call to us as we walk through life's twists and turns. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. And now I call upon heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. These are God's words. And he says, I'm calling on heaven to watch you. I'm calling on heaven to witness your life. And I'm calling on all of earth to witness your life. This is a promise that we are written in. I'm going to call on heaven and I'm going to call on earth to witness your life, to witness my life. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You make this choice by loving God obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. If you read all those self-help books, I'm going to tell you right now, you got one little verse right here, you can save your money. I mean, honestly, we buy all these books and we're going to like, I got to get good, I got to get good. Jesus, God is just saying here, I'm going to, this is your key right here. You know me, now walk it out. And then, He says, if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I love that we are listed with those names. These are mighty men of faith who stumbled and fell. But their names are written on that timeline with like big stars. He gives us a choice. And even in the verses prior to this, in verses 11 through 14, he says, this isn't hard. If you go back and read it later, you might want to write this down, 30, 19 through 20. He says, it's not even hard to find this key. It's not like I've hidden it somewhere and you got to go find it. He tells us in the verses ahead that he won't make us run around and try to find it. He says, it's right here in front of you. It's right here. It's very close at hand, he says, and it's the key. This is our hope and anchor. He is our hope, and choosing him is life. Focusing on him 
and not our world and circumstances and not focusing on the should have, would have, could haves is the key. We focus on him. For as long as I can remember, I have longed to adopt an Asian orphan girl from China. And if you've known me for a really long time, like way back in the 80s, you know that this was something that was really stirring in my heart. I had pictures of Chinese little orphans on my refrigerator, and from as long as I can remember, this, this thing has been in me. Like, I'm going to do this. And I don't know where it came from. could have been a missionary that came to my church. I can't even remember where that little thing got tucked in there. But I believed that my story was going to be, I was going to be a biological mom, and I was going to have an Asian orphan child brought in to my home to love and show the redeeming love of God over their lives. But we got married, and four months into marriage, I got pregnant. I was all of 19. Yay for stats of teen moms. And uh, nine months after that, we got called to Visalia to plant Saviors, our, the, a church that we were a part of for, I don't know, lots of years. And so life was busy, and our hands were to the plow, and we were raising babies, and we were planting a church. And so, you know, that little adoption thing was just sort of back here, like, not now, not now. And then our girls were about 8 and 12, 8 and 11, 12. And I began this thing coming up in me again, like this desire started to bubble up. And I was like, okay, God, this is the time. Like, things are pretty good. Our, our girls are cruising, and, and, and this is going to be good. So I started pursuing adoption, foreign adoption, international adoption. And um, I, got an, I found an agency which requires a lot of research because not all of them are good, and they just take your money, and it is, it's a fiasco. I don't know how it is now, but back then it was like I got warned by a lot of people. So I did my research, and I got handed from a friend this particular agency, and it ended up being a very, very wonderful agency. And then I got connected with an agent who began the application process with me, and I filled out the application and sent it in, and then we had a home study date visit. I mean, this thing had conceived in my heart. That was the conception in my heart, was we're doing this. And I began sharing with Mark in eagerness my, my, my research, and, and we're having a home study, and this ball is rolling. And I could sense that Mark was just not on the same page. And this does not mean that he's a bad person because he didn't want an orphan in China. I just want to say that right out. But I could sense that he was just not in the same place that I was and that what was my dream and my passion wasn't necessarily his. And then at the same time, doors just started closing. Like, it just wasn't easy. It was like, wow, God, what are you doing? It was just not easy. And so there was a termination of a pregnancy. That's how I feel. And I know that Mother's Day is hard for some of you because we've been through some fires. And I have two beautiful biological daughters. And thank God, and he's just blessed me so much. But it doesn't mean that if I would have been pregnant a third time and miscarried, that there wouldn't be tremendous loss over the loss of that baby. This was a loss for me. I felt pregnant with this hope and anticipation of what he was going to do in our family. And it didn't happen. And that train came rumbling through. And it just caused like this heart burst. 
And so I'm the type of personality that doesn't really do this a lot, although I do do it sometimes, and my husband can tell you that. But most often, my responses are to just kind of put it down in there, and then I build up these walls, and I shut myself off. Like, God, you ain't going to have that anymore. You don't get that part of my heart. And I'm not going to let my husband have that part of my heart because I want to save this. And so fast forward to like three or four years ago. I'm not even sure, Sapphire, when was it that we went? Was it three years ago that you shared at Confluence? Three years ago, my girls are now 40 and 38. It's been a lot of years that that thing was pressed down in there, hidden walls up. And there was a session at this leadership conference on fostering and adopting. And our beautiful Zaphire was one of the featured speakers where she was able to share her story of fostering and then adopting her three sons. And um, I, I began to feel a little rumbling, you know, a little stirring up. I knew things were, I don't know, I'm just kind of pushing it down. We're in a big room of lots of people. I'm pushing it down, pushing it down, and all of a sudden this couple gets up and starts sharing a video of Asian adoptions and all of the children that they've adopted. And you guys, that dam broke. And I literally fell off my chair. I've never done this in public before. And I fell off my chair and I travailed. And Mark was on one side of me, and my dear sweet daughter in the faith, Lori Riley, was on the other. And Lori has known me for many, many years. She's one of my daughter's best childhood friends. And she knew exactly, she didn't even have to ask me what was going on. She knew. Because she knew that story. She saw those pictures on my fridge. She knew. And she just started praying over me. And fairly quickly she said, Kathleen, I feel like the Lord wants to tell you that it is good for you to grieve. It is good for you to grieve right now. He is not put off by this. No matter what anybody else around here is thinking or feeling uncomfortable, this is a good thing right now. This is your date. This is your time. And so I did. I just travailed. I mean, you guys, this was deep. I, I don't know that I've really done that too many times. And then as she's praying, she says to me, Kathleen, I feel like God wants you to repent. Now, this is a daughter in the faith. I adore her. And she loves me. So I received that like honey on my lips. I wasn't like, and who do you think you are, you little squirt of 38 years? I was like, you know what? That is right. I have held a fence in my heart towards God of this dream that was planted there that never happened, of that miscarriage in my life. And then she said, you need to repent and forgive and I think it's God. I mean, she was so sweet. I think it's to God. And I also feel like it's towards Mark. And I was like, yep, yeah, you're right. You're right, friend. I love you. So Mark and I went up to our hotel room, and we had a glorious time of reconciliation and healing, forgiveness, both of us exchanging. And I mean, I was free. I was free. And I began to see that God in my freedom and in my response and my choice after all these years, finally, he's like, finally, finally, baby, you got it. In my choice, 
God, I felt like God lifted my chin and he said, look up and out because my resurrection story is being written in your story right now. And I redeem every dream. You guys, God never wastes a dream. Never, ever, ever. But we sometimes, it doesn't come out the way we think it's going to come out. Our story, we don't get to write those chapters and leave out all the yucky parts. Just put the shiny in there. So God takes my chin and he says, I want you to look out. And I began looking out, not at my circumstances, but how my God, my God who says, I have hope for you. I have a plan and a future for you. I have good things in store for you. And he began to show me all the daughters in faith that he's given me. He's given me two beautiful biological daughters, eight grandchildren, and beautiful daughters in the faith. I mean, I could just name you here. And not just here, but in Visalia. But he exploded in my heart the truth of the resurrection power of death. In the midst of death, he resurrects and he redeems. And I'm not just saying that I like have lots of little friends. These are daughters in the faith that treat me like a mom, include me in their stuff, their fun, their sorrows, their pain. And some of you have walked through fires. You've walked through fires. And God wants to say to you today, I am a redeeming God. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. And we can choose to stay right here in our little circumstance for the rest of our life. And we never move on to the sanctifying work that he wants to do in our hearts and the, to see the redemption. Because it's there. <clears throat> he will redeem and he will take what has been broken, thrashed, stomped on, trashed, and he will redeem our story. But we have to realize in our hearts and our minds that he's writing a story that is bigger than just our little paragraph in a big, large book. And it doesn't mean that we're not in, that we're, it doesn't mean we're insignificant. I almost did a double negative there. I'm a teacher. I corrected that real quick. It doesn't mean that we're insignificant his word tells us that we are for generations to come. Heaven and earth gets to witness all that we do. And he offers us life or death. You choose it. We get to choose it. He's not a God that just says, you better line up. This is the way. Come on. He says, I'm offering this to you, and it's the key to your life. It is the key. It's every answer. Or you can stay right here. And if you stay right here, you're not only going to become bitter and angry and nobody's going to want to be around you because your life's going to get smelly. Or you can live here and be the fragrant aroma of Christ and have your name listed like in Hebrews 11, you guys, that is one of my favorite chapters where it says, by faith Moses, by faith Abraham, by faith Rahab, a prostitute, 
I want my name written there on that timeline. By faith, Kathleen, by faith, she ran this race with perseverance for the joy set before her, knowing that she serves a redeeming and faithful God and all his promises to us are yes and amen. Even though our storyline doesn't look how we imagined it, he is in it. He's in it. And we get to be in his story, this vast eternal story of all the hundreds of thousands and billions of people who love and serve him. We matter. He calls on heaven and earth. He calls on heaven and earth, and he says, you, heaven, you witness her right now. Earth, you look at her life right now. You watch this. You watch how my glory is going to be displayed. I mean, if that's not a miraculous God, I don't know what is. And everywhere we go, we get to take the glory of God with us because our stories matter, and our choices matter. <clears throat> So what are the places that you've felt that have been stolen from you or you've been robbed? Maybe it's marriage, children, a place of ministry that you've longed for that hasn't happened, a job, a prodigal child. How do we get through, how do we get this truth that's on our coffee mugs into our bellies? Well, I believe that God kind of just showed me maybe, I don't, I, I, I don't like anecdotes really. And I don't always love application in messages because I feel like sometimes it takes the, the, the view off of God and more onto us like self-help books, and I'm not a big fan of those. <laughs> Sorry if you are. It's okay. But there is an application because Jesus offers us a choice, right? So we, I, I believe that there were three things, and I'm, not, I'm just going to tell you that this is what God has put in, deposited into me. Grieve it. Grieve it. It is okay to grieve. And it is good for you to get that wall broken out. Don't let that circumstance be a wall in your heart against God or against others. Grieve it. Jesus was acquainted with our sufferings and our sorrows. Isaiah says that his whole life demonstrated it. In the garden, he was lamenting before he died. And you know what? I believe he knew the end. He knew the story. He knew he was going to rise from the dead, right? But he still lamented because that's a picture for us to lean into there. He modeled for us what it looks like when we are in deep suffering, sorrow, loss, grief. And he modeled it. You have a choice. Repent and forgive where you've been clenched-fisted or where you've just pushed it down and built walls around that. Or you can be open and forgive and repent. So grieve, it's a good thing. It's okay. It's a God-given emotion. Repent, where you've held a, a ought against the Lord or others. And then forgive. Forgive. Forgiveness does not unhook the other person from wrong. I don't, I, I don't think that. When Jesus tells us that we need to forgive, it's because he knows what unforgiveness does to our hearts. And what we do when we forgive is we unhook that thing from our hearts and we are no longer bound in shackles. But if we don't forgive, we are walking around like shackles and our steps can't be big and we can't do things with our hands because we're bound. So forgiveness unhooks in our heart. 
what needs to be unhooked. And lastly, look, let go, and look up. Start to trust and hope again. Be expectant that this is your God. I have plans for you. I have good plans for you. Look up. I saw that, I saw that pain and suffering, and now watch how I'm going to take that and redeem it like Easter Sunday morning when Jesus was resurrected from the dead and Friday looked like nothing like Sunday. God has a resurrection story in every single one of us. Every single one of us. And I do want to be listed in like those saints in Hebrews. And I want when I've run my race and I stand before Jesus, and he looks at me and he says, you did good. And you guys, I haven't walked through every fire well. But that's the beauty of Jesus is that he's sanctifying us daily. And we have new fresh choices every day for our hearts to be redeemed and to extend that to others. It's a choice that we get to have. Um, Jared, would you come? I just, I received this devotional message from a dear friend who's been praying for me this week. And it just, I just have to just read a little part of it. It's out of, from Max Lucado or Lucado, however you say it, tomato, tomato, I don't know. But it says, just, I mean, I, I read this and I was like, you know what, I should just stand up and read Max Lucado today because that's it. Like, I don't need to say anything else. He says, but if the story of Joseph teaches us anything, it is this, that we have a choice. We can wear our hurt or our hope. We could outfit ourselves in our misfortune, or we can clothe ourselves in God's providence. We can cave into the pandemonium of life, or we can lean to the perfect plan of God, and we can believe this promise in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If you've been called, then you have a plan. You have a good story. And everyone throughout the life of Jesus was over but God. His son was dead and buried, but God raised him from the dead. God took the crucifixion of Friday and turned it into the celebration of Sunday. Can he not do a reversal for you? Yes, he can. Guys, let's get it from the coffee mug and the magnet and into our bellies. It's a good fire. It's a good fire.